Hey, welcome to Break the Money Curse. It's your boy Drew. It's your boy D Money. Hey, so thank you uh, for joining us for another week of trying to get this money. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the podcast is trying to get this money. Yeah, man. I'm trying to. Um, I'm look. I'm tired. I just drank a whole cup of coffee. I still feel like I need to go back to bed. Uh, I worked. I worked all weekend, so. Um, the way my body is set up these days, I can't, you know, I need my, my, I need, so I need time to rest. Well, I feel good, man. I did. I got up, did some yoga this morning and man, it's just so refreshing. You know, I'm so, I'm so Zen right now. <laughs> well, you look, you look, I don't know if you look Zen or like you just rolled out of bed. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. This is how I roll. I woke up like this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for your wife. All right. Um, so what's been going on? Nothing new. Uh, just kind of waiting to close on this home and planning my trip to uh, Arizona. Uh, Black Friday, you know, is new. Black Friday. Uh, if you're listening to this, this is a few days after Black Friday. So. Mm seems like black friday was the, the sales were down from some initial numbers that i heard so i don't know how about i haven't seen um the numbers i just know that where i work and where i bonus the sales were very 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 promising well i mean i guess that's make that makes sense from a real estate perspective though yeah. you know because home depot people are i don't know if people when people are buying things for their home I think it's very different than buying like just clothing and electronics and things like mm-hmm. that, you know, and yeah. a lot of people are buying new homes and then remodeling those new homes. So that definitely makes sense. I mean, I, I would think that Home Depot, the sales are probably up this year, you know, year over year. Yeah. Record breaking. Um, yeah. Which is which is crazy because we were we were one of the few lines of businesses open during the pandemic. And so 2020 was a record record breaking year for the company and right. then you know for anyone that just listened to our most recent earnings rep- report <laughs> we're breaking we're beating those numbers yeah i mean home depot has definitely have a lot of my money i'm i feel like i'm at home depot at least like two times a week i don't i just don't understand i'm like i, I try to go there get everything i need to get and then i always need to go back for something mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm at home depot a lot and I was just actually looking at how much money I spent. I spent more money in 2021 than I did in 2020. 2020. So, I mean, yeah, it's just like and just items like paint. There's always something to do around a house, yep. you know. So, so y'all just keep buying up those houses and, and um, <laughs> see us. Yeah. yeah. So I right. can make this money. But uh, so I so, you know, we did that whole episode on, on Ramsey, right? Yeah. And. I think, you know, my takeaway from that is like, I still listen. I still follow. I fundamentally disagree with a lot of the stuff that he says. Um, And I think when I think about it, it's like, you know, we always talk about like, you know, get your information from various sources. Don't rely on one, you know, one person or one source for information. Educate yourself. Um, And I think when you like, when I listened back to our opinions, I think that's what that reflected, where it's like, you know, obviously he he has a roadmap that have worked for a lot of people. Yeah. But I follow him on social media, man. And there's a couple things he's posted recently that I'm like, 
this dude is an idiot or or it's just like he's just set in his ways unable to pivot you know um and i think as times change you've got to be open to new things so the first thing he posted a couple weeks ago i sent you was that your teenager does not need a student loan um and that kind of you know got my blood boiling a little bit because i like it for me that comes from such a place of privilege you know because some people don't really have an alternative yeah that's true um that's that's definitely true i think some people don't have an alternative or the alternative uh maybe um other things that they don't want to do i think there's always an alternative i don't know i'm kind of 50 50 about that statement because i feel like for instance like things that you could do is go to a community college except for you know a four-year university right Um, but some people even need to take a loan to do that i i mean there are cities like la that have free community college and i think that's becoming more common but the reality is for a lot of people there really you know there really isn't sometimes an alternative you know um I think Dave Ramsey came from a household, if I remember correctly, where I think his his dad was um, like a real estate investor or something like that. So and um, and he is college educated. Um, so I think like, you know, I think it's just coming from a very siloed point of view. Um, I mean, I know I amassed that to go to college. I didn't I didn't even if I went to community college. <laughs> you know, even if it, at the time, if even if it was two, four thousand dollars a semester, um, my parents probably didn't have that in the bank to just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say I'm 50 50 about it is I, I, I agree. Well, what I would say is, you know, maybe we wouldn't have amassed with, with, with different choices. Maybe we wouldn't have amassed the level of student loan that we amassed. And I agree maybe, with that. I agree with that different things but but i can't necessarily tell you a lot of the technical things i learned in individual classes in college but um what it did teach me was about you know being independent um how to lead um you know how to interact with different racial social groups that i didn't have that i might not have had exposure to that was i not in that setting so i think you know the the college experience is more than just about what you learn in class um and so that's why it's like, even though paying off student loans is painful, and I do think like college needs to be more accessible, uh, I don't regret the decision because for me, it was more about the experience than, you know, what I actually learned in, in from, you know, from a professor. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't regret the decision either. Um, and this is not me being on Dave's side or anything. You know how I feel about college at this point. Well, yeah. And I think my opinion has evolved as well. But I think when you start like stomping on people's dreams at such a young age, I think that does impact a lot of things. And I think as I think a lot of parents, when you when you have a kid that wants to do big things and wants to do good, um, you know, a lot of parents will make a lot of sacrifices to, to encourage those dreams. And, and it's the right thing to do, man. Like, it's just, I just think that post is just so, like, why even post that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, like a lot of things with social media these days, people are able to post whatever they want without a fleshed out, without without more thought, not thought, or more like, uh, perspective. Out more, right. Yeah. 
So like if someone is just like a hardcore day fan and they're just like listening to every post, you know, that could you know, they could construe that the wrong way. And that's why, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I follow uh, Dave Ramsey on on social media or not, but I've definitely taken the financial peace class. And one thing I've always realized is I need to listen to multiple people, with mm-hmm. multiple perspectives, because someone may say something a different way that gets me to thinking you know another way you know so yeah it's a lot of good it's a lot of bad in my opinion you know with with the way that you know the things that Dave talks about so this other post has really got me going this weekend and (laughs) (laughs) what I enjoyed was that I uh you know, misery loves company. So the first thing I did was click on the comments. Like, are people really like, because I wanted to see if people were like really buying into this or agreed with it. And the majority of the comments that I read actually um, agreed with me and opposed to what he was saying. So the post was, and it's funny, you can see like he goes in his notes app and just writes out some shit. Um, so this post was how to invest your money. And it says invest in mutual funds, uh, spread equally in four categories, growth, growth and income, aggressive growth, international. And then the second bullet is real estate paid in full. (laughs) And then don't invest in single stocks, Bitcoin, or any crypto. Whole life insurance policies, annuities, bonds, micro-investing, REITs, ETFs, and CDs. That's a lot of what not to do. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot here to to unpack because there's more here that I disagree with than I agree with. Yeah, um, I think here, and like I said, I, I think there's a, you know, on that don't invest um, list that he has. I just like to say don't invest in these things unless you're going to be educated, you know. With the like exception of like ETFs. Yeah, ET, right. I don't know why that is even on there. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's crazy. That there's that not is. a single thought in my mind other than someone that really hasn't educated themselves of why that would be on this list. Right. Because, I mean, you know, whole life insurance policies, I don't necessarily like those, but I think there's a time yeah. and a place, you know, for that possibly, depending on what your situation is. Bitcoin, you know, I feel like there's a time and a place. Like, I don't understand fully Bitcoin, but I do have a very small percentage. I wouldn't tell anyone don't invest. I would say don't invest. Educate yourself. Until, right. I would say educate yourself. Don't invest until you've paid off all your debt. You know what I'm saying? It, it would be a lot of things that, come come with that i wouldn't say just carte blanche don't ever invest in these things and i think that's the problem with some of the things on social media when people make these uh absolute statements you know where it's like these are the only things that you should ever invest in or don't ever invest in this it's just delusional because there's a time and a place to do almost everything yeah there's um, nuance and everybody's position is my bad. Yeah, there's nuance and everybody's position is different, right? So your financial position, your risk tolerance is very different from mine. Um, and we're very similar in age, you know? So it's just, I just find it very silly. And like the first thing that caught my eye is invest in mutual funds, don't invest in ETFs, which I also think is something else that comes from a place of privilege because not everyone has access to invest. Like mutual funds are very expensive and costly. Right. And and a lot of them, you have to have at least, you know, like a certain minimum amount, 1500 3000 yeah. things like that. I mean, there is a lot of 
you know, this post seems like he's setting his ways. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of evolving, which has, to his credit, you know, helped him become who he is. Um, so from a from a standpoint of, I think that there are a lot of things out there that can deter us from our goals, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shiny objects, and a lot of these things on this list can be shiny objects. I feel yeah, like Bitcoin, I agree with that. Bitcoin could be a shiny object. Single, you know, single, single stock stocks going up. All these things could be shiny objects. But it's like if that's part of your strategy, and you know, single stocks, you know, Bitcoin, you know, that you have an you expertise. just you want a twelve percent return every year, no more. Exactly. <laughs> if you have an expertise in these items, then you can invest in those things. I think it's a matter of just education. But Dave's audience is, you know, those people who, you know, may want to play it safer. You know, and I mean, I think there is definitely an audience for that. I think I don't think you can go wrong with some of this uh, advice. You know, like let's just say you're gonna, let's just say you're going to just invest in mutual funds, right? The way that he says, I think you will be better off investing that way than not investing at all. Or you can be, you would actually be better off in most cases investing in an ETF because you're gonna yeah. it's going to yield similar returns with right. less expense. Um. And the other piece is, okay, so let's say we're going to invest in real estate paid in full, right? So I'm going to decide to pay off my house, which has a fixed interest rate, before I get into the market. Yeah. I, it's just I, not I, something that's re- that is that is reasonable for most people. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I agree that there is um, owning real estate, you know, outright. You know, yeah, there is a certain amount of cash flow that comes with that. But there's a certain amount of risk. There's a risk mm-hmm. reward with everything, you know. Yeah. And you know, if you can get the way I like to do, it, if you can get real estate, you know, in control for these cheap interest rates, and use that money that you would have paid in full to go make more than two, three percent that you're paying in interest. For me, mathematically, that's a smart thing to do. Now, that's that's technically more risky, right? Than yeah. not having a loan because if you don't have a loan, you're not paying anybody else. They can't come in, you know, take your home in case anything happened other than, you know, not paying property taxes. But I'm I don't see that as super risky because I'm not over leveraged. You know, like if I have a six hundred thousand dollar home, my goal is to not ever, you know, have a six hundred thousand dollar loan on that six hundred thousand dollar home. You know, I want to have like less debt than what the the house is is worth right so and i think that's why for me like i like having the perspective of the people that i'm listening to um and so like you just said you don't like to be over leveraged we we like we've talked for weeks on what you do with real estate and how you live you leverage it to purchase more assets right right um and on the flip side if we look at dave ramsey um, and I'm not discounting everything he says because I listen to a lot of the things he said. We've gone through the baby steps. But um, he is someone that has been over leveraged in the past and has filed for bankruptcy in his life. So his his perspective is going to be very different from yours where you've had a lot of success with real estate and leveraging the bank's money to buy additional assets. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've listened to his story about being over leveraged and and. and learned from his mistakes mm-hmm. of what not to do because you best believe i could be over leveraged you know and i've decided not to take 
on extra money or extra debt because of people like Dave Ramsey and what they've went through, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely understand it. It kind of reminds me of like, if you look at Warren Buffett, for example, like Warren Buffett, you know, uh, he's the greatest investor of all time, like mm-hmm. from a stock market perspective. But if you really look at, I think like the last 10 years, like he's underperformed the market. Yeah. And a lot of that may be a result of him being stuck in his ways, mm-hmm. um, you know, not, you know, just not really um, being adaptive to, you know, what the future companies, you know, like a Tesla and like an Apple and things like he, I mean, he was late to the game and buying Apple, you know. Yeah. So I think this happens like just in life. It, it just shows that you can never get complacent in my in my opinion. No, this is why I'm always going to be trying to learn about new things that's coming up and not discount it as a scam or anything. I want to learn and understand fully before I totally say, no, you should never do that. Yeah, I agree. So <laughs> this post motivated me. I think since we we devoted almost an entire episode to talking about his about Ramsey's philosophies, which a lot of them are good. Um, let's talk about somebody else's. Um, so Susie Orman is actually one of the big, the the first big financial gurus that I followed because she used to have that show on MSNBC. I think it used to come on on Saturday nights, right? Yeah. Um, and I used to love, like, I learned a lot from her, you know? Like, yeah. she would break down people's financial situations and, um, and, and she comes across with such, like, She's actually the opposite of Dave, right? Where she's very like empathetic and I want to help you and she's not going to call somebody an idiot. Um, It's just very different. Um, She still has a podcast. I know one of the ones I listen to is the Woman Woman and Money podcast. This is, I I think it's angled at woman, but it's still good financial advice. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the things that I I enjoy about her story is that she at, I think at 30, she was still a, a waitress, right? Um, and then there was a series of events, events that took place that really changed her financial position. But I think she still has pretty good perspective um, in terms of uh, like her solutions are not one size fits all. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Susie Orman, I haven't I honestly haven't listened to her, that show or anything uh, from her in probably 10 years. But Susie Orman, I always credit her with getting me started on my financial journey. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, I, I, I've, I read several, of her, several of her books, um, early on in my journey. And the one that kind of, you know, started me was, uh, right when I was about to finish college, uh, it was the, the, uh, young fabulous and broke book. I think that came out in like 2003 or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that book just kind of broke down like everything, you know, just talking about like, you know investing in the stock market, things like that. And I look at it like when I look at, and I look at Dave Ramsey like this too. I think there's a time and a place. I don't want to just listen to one voice. Mm -hmm. I want multiple voices in my head. And I feel like I graduated from Susie. Mm -hmm. You know, I listened to her. She, she started me on my journey for the first five years. And then I had to graduate to maybe a Robert Kiyosaki, you know, talk to me about businesses and, uh, the, 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 wealth quadrant and real estate investing and then I graduated from him started listening to Dave maybe I got off track a little bit Mm -hmm. and then I graduated to you know some other people so it's just like 
it's important to have multiple people, you know, yeah. multiple books or multiple sources that you're always like listening to. Yeah. And no, I like I'll open that podcast app and I'll be like, <laughs> you know, you, you get to pick like the, there's always the one that Apple will push to the front. And it's like, yeah. I feel like hearing this voice today, you know, and I, I and I like to like I said, some things I agree with, some things I disagree with. Sometimes a lot of the times it's just me learning stuff, but um, it's important not to get all your information from one source. And let me say this, when you know that it's time to maybe not move on completely, but kind of move on to another fresh perspective is when you're able to basically, if you're watching their shows or listening to their podcasts, you know what they're going to say, know what they're about to say, (laughs) which is kind of where I'm at with most of them. Yeah. They have these callers (laughs) or whatever. and You know exactly what they're about to say. (laughs) It's probably time for you to move on because you've learned everything that you need to learn from that point. And now you need to hear something different. But as always, you need to be careful because when you're searching for new people, you need to make sure they're giving the right information. And that's part of the journey. But you don't want to still be listening, you know, to the same thing for 10, 10 years later that you already knew what they were about to say 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. more than likely their their perspective is still the same as it was 20 years ago. Yeah. And there's a, like a certain element of discipline to that. That. um that I think is, that, that that's good. It's not like any way the wind blows. So let's go down this list um, and we'll hop around. There's a lot here, um, but I think there's some good things. A lot of things we, we talk about all the time. Um, but the first one is don't be too quick to buy a home, which you know is something that I've struggled with. Uh, but I think that's important, right? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people will say to you that, um, you know, we, we know that home buying is one of the quickest ways to build wealth. The market's been crazy. We see everybody around us buying up all these houses. Um, low interest rates get in now. But the reality is it's not the right time for everybody, right? No, it's not. And we talked about this, I think. Uh, very recently. Yeah, very recently. Yeah. yeah, don't don't let the pressure of, you know, everyone else buying a home or the pundits talking about this is the right time to buy a home and not the right time to buy a house. You have to look at your own individual uh, situation. Yeah, because I'll tell you, like, one of the things I think about is um, I'm kind of unbending on what I pay for housing expense. I don't want it to increase. Um, but I also know, like, what my basic necessities are in a, in a home. So I live in a market where... Um, housing is really expensive and it just financially makes more sense. So for me to spend more on a mortgage means that there's less for me to invest in stocks or in other things. Uh, and that's a sacrifice that doesn't make sense for me financially right now. So it depends on where you're at. Yeah. So this list looks like it's a, it's very extensive. Yeah. So it's common money mistakes and these are a lot of don'ts. So I mean, some of these we've talked about, so I'm I'm going to, you know, kind of highlight uh, some things that we haven't talked about or mm-hmm. really hit. So this one, don't ever co-sign on a loan. Mm-hmm. And I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with this. Um, you know, I now look, if, if you're a person who needs a co-signer, don't don't take this to offense. You know, you don't need it. I mean, in some cases, you kind of do. Like if somebody is, is, is wanting to. If somebody is wanting to rent out my place, let's just say a young person, right? Mm-hmm. And I know this happens a lot because when we own the place in in uh, in a college town, like this is one thing that we got. Somebody want to rent out our place, college student. 
they may not have the credit, they may not have the money, and you have like, you know, um, parents co-signing essentially. There was no other way that I would rent out this place. Yeah. If the parent is not going to co-sign, I think that's a different situation than when like if I mean I every situation I'm not looking at I'm not ever going to say no I would never lease to someone who needs a co-signer. But if you're like 35 and you need a co-signer, like that's a bad you know uh look for me it um, is but i or, also or if i'm looking and you know you need a co-signer but you have a 700 dollars car payment you know it's just like i'm looking at the whole credit report <laughs> yeah i think and, and i do think like with all these things you got to look at the total picture right i hate to paint anything with a broad brush um i think housing's a little bit different in some cases, because to your point, like if you're 35 and, and you need a co-signer, that's a very different position than, um, I think like when I think about this, I think about like the people that want to go buy a car, but they have bad credit. And so you're co-signing for that. Um, I think there's a lot of different types of loans that you see, um, you see co-signers and you see this on the court shows all the time where, you know, someone's left holding the bag because they thought that their family member or their friend was going to do the right thing. Yeah. And I mean, look, this is to me, this is a you need to look at this person's history to just determine, you know, why you shouldn't be a cosigner. Um, if they have a history of not making payments, consider the situation, why they're in a situation where they need a cosigner. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just like I'm just not prepared to, you know, be a, a, a signer on a debt for a person like I, I am not going to do that. And a lot of times it's just like what I try to do, because I've had people come to me and ask me to be their co-signer. I give them alternative, uh, a list of alternatives of things that you can do. Now, it may not be things that they want to do, but that's not my problem (laughs) because I don't need the co-signer. But that shows me if they don't want to do some of these things, then it's just like they're just looking for like an easy fix. And Mm -hmm. that like just kind of cements a reason why I was just like, no, I'm not going to be a co-signer. So. This is something that you don't want to get into because if they don't pay the bill, you will be on the hook for that bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, social uh, don't take not taking social security too soon, um, and we don't talk a lot about social security because you know we're hoping that and, and we have you know people listening of different age groups, but we want that to be like the cherry on top, right? That's like Mm -hmm. the extra (laughs) by the time we get to retirement. Um, But like my mom's getting to that age where she's, you know, starting to look at, you know, when will be the right time. Uh, And, you know, for me, it's as simple as pulling her statement and like breaking down the difference between retiring at, you know, 62, 65, 70. And the dollars go up you know, significantly. So every year you wait between your normal retirement age and 70, social security will add a guaranteed 8%. 8%. And that's huge. It's huge. And this is something I'm starting to have a conversation with my mom about as well. It's so valuable the longer you wait, you know, because you, one thing you got to think about that 8% is guaranteed. Like it's guaranteed it's going to be higher because your social security is not going to I think Social Security goes up like maybe two to three percent every year, depending on what inflation is. This year, I think it went up six percent. Yeah, because I think because of inflation. Yep. But you got to think about it. That's really not a pay rate. The pay raise, <laughs> like that's just keeping up with inflation. Like that's not a pay raise. Eight percent. If, if you're retiring anytime after sixty-two, 
and I think it caps out at 870, that 8% is guaranteed, you know, that that you're going to have that. So what I would say, if you're in your 50s now, you know, these are things that you need to start thinking about and trying to hold off. And sometimes, depending on your situation, you don't have to hold off on retiring. Mm -hmm. You can retire at 62, but if you have other pockets of money that can, you know, uh, last you until you're 70, and then you start drawing on that Social Security. Because Social Security is wasn't meant to be your only source of income in retirement. It's it's supplemental. Supplemental, right? And unfortunately, a lot of people, this Social Security is really their only form, you know, of retirement money. So, like I said, if you have other sources of income and you just really want to retire at 62, um, really consider not using or taking your Social Security until 70. Because one of the things is we're living longer, you know, as, as Americans. And, you know, the average age is just creeping up, you know, it's, it's creeping up. You know, by the time when we 20, 30 years from now, when we retire, the average age, you know, of uh, that we may pass may be in the 90s or 100s. Technology is getting better. That's keeping us alive longer. So you want to have that Social Security last, be as high as possible and last as long as possible. So, you know, the difference between 62 and 70 is only eight years, you know, wow. that, that that you should take a look at. Well, this you know, like last year, the um, life expectancy dropped uh, due to COVID. And now we got the Omarion uh, variant uh, coming <laughs> coming at us so, y'all better um do what you need to do to, to keep yourself safe out yeah but that's a pandemic i mean this this variant this i mean i think covid is going to be here for the rest of our lives it's like, like the flu right flu i mean it's gonna it's getting it's gonna get weaker and weaker so it's gonna be here this is why i this is why i am so frustrated so black friday um you know you want to have black friday on uh we had black friday in stocks because everything drops so low that if you wanted to buy in the dip, you certainly could do it. Um, I think it was like one of the worst. I think it was it was it was the worst Black Friday in history for the S and P five hundred um, mm-hmm. on the news of this new variant. And it's just crazy that we're seeing. Um, I, I think it's panic selling. You might say it's reaction to market conditions, but it's just wild um, because twenty twenty was ultimately so good for the stock market. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm waiting until January. I'm about to scoop it all up. So. But so I made a bad mistake last week. We'll oh. get back to Susie, but um, so remember I recommended the, the Swan, uh, um, the the ETF um, Swan, which is like you know bonds and you know a stable fund. I would say good for people closer to retirement, right? But you know that's very un- and I said it when I recommended it. I'm like, this is not, you know, this is not something that I typically would buy, but I wanted something to stabilize my portfolio, right? Yeah. I sold it last week. For and you loss. know when it... Huh? For a loss or for a gain? I sold it for a gain. It wasn't a huge gain, but I sold it for a gain. But the problem was the timing was really bad because though, you know, bond, you know, you know, bonds and, you know, those kinds of assets perform really well in poor market conditions. So I'm yeah. sure that had I waited till after Friday, it would have been a much more significant gain. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, timing definitely. is everything. It definitely is. All right. What's next? Um, this car insurance one, I want to go through this really quickly. Um, y'all still got them safe auto commercials running in, in, in Chicago. Eagle Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
look, this is a monthly bill that is this, this is, we've talked about this before. It's like health insurance, right? But I think um, a lot of times when we think about insurance, we think about the the impact, like the cost of actually repairing your car or someone else's car in the case of an accident. But like, do y'all even, do, but you also have to think about bodily injury and some of the like bigger expenses, you know? Um, and I really thought about this, um, particularly on, you know, my, my 2012 car that's paid off where I could get a really, really cheap policy, um, that is, uh, liability. Uh, but I, I keep full coverage on all my cars just as a safeguard because you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I would say like, look, I mean, another big thing is if y'all got deductibles still of $250, man, y'all need to up y'all deductibles. I have like pretty high deductibles because it actually makes the car insurance cheaper. I think I have like at least a thousand dollar deductible, maybe even more than that. Um, And thankfully I I haven't had to use my insurance in a few years, but look at all the money I'm saving, even with that thousand dollars. Now, if something happened, I do have that thousand dollars on hand, you know, in order to pay that deductible. But I probably made that money back since I haven't had an accident or anything in a few years. It's probably saved me more than a thousand dollars in premiums. So yeah. that's one thing to think about as well. Yeah, it's and this is coming from someone that also has a high deductible health plan, right? So it's the same. It's the same concept, right? You see, this this is my out of pocket ma- maximum if something happens, and for me, I'd rather it be high. I still have good coverage, but I know I got to come out of pocket for that thousand. Um, I can afford, like if something happens, I can afford that. And I view my health insurance in the same way. Yeah. Yep. Cool. What's next? All right, cool. So this next one, (laughs) don't go without life insurance. So uh, according to uh, the industry research group, LIMRA, about four in 10 10 adults have no life insurance. So that's about 40%. I wonder, you know, really, I wonder, and, and maybe this is just like, bias on my part because this is what i'm seeing but i wonder what that stat is for black people because it seems like to me every time somebody black die on social media they're always like go fund me go fund me and (laughs) i just don't understand that you know it's just like i think it's if you have kids if you have someone who who is dependent on you know you supporting them you need to have life insurance it is extremely cheap when I say extremely cheap to get life insurance, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, you could probably get a half a million dollars, a million dollars in life insurance for maybe about $300 a year. I mean, if you break that down, you know, that's like, what, like 30 bucks a month, between 20 and 40 bucks a month, you can get a, a lot of money in life insurance. Mm-hmm. We spend that amount of money on liquor, cigarettes, like so many other things. That Don't you say we. Get- I ain't spending money on none of that. Okay. Yeah, me neither. But you probably wouldn't even miss that money is what I'm saying, you know. Um, So it's really no excuse that you don't have life insurance at all and that you have to go the GoFundMe route, you know, to 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 get funerals paid for. So what do you think about um, because I I think a lot of people when they look at life insurance, the the instinct is um, I don't want my money if I live, which is what you hope will happen. I don't want my money to go to waste, which is why. I pay more for a whole life policy versus a term. I mean, I think in general, I would say you should go with the term. Now, of course, there's, you know, different reasons why you would want to go with whole life. But if you really look into if you really look at the difference between whole life, 
what's happening is, say for instance, if uh, you're for $500,000 in coverage, you're paying $25 a month for a term life, for a term of 20 years or 20 or 30 years, $25 a a month. For that same $500,000, let's just say you'll have to pay $125 or $225 um, for a whole life policy. So that difference of $200, what they're telling you is that now you have this cash you know, portion of it that you could tap into. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fine print where it's not that easy mm-hmm. to tap into that money. And we're, we don't have time to go into it now. But one thing that I would tell people to do, you're better off because what the what the life insurance company is doing is they're taking your $200 and they're putting it in the stock market. They're investing your money for you. When you can just, and they're only giving you crumbs, you can take that $200 and invest it yourself and make way more money than what the life insurance, you know, depending on, you know, what you invest in. So I think like in that, and in general, I think it's better to just go ahead, go with the term life. And um, more, most people actually don't, they wouldn't do that $500,000 whole life policy because it would be too expensive for them. Yeah. So then what ends up happening is they'll say, oh, well, I'll do 50000 or or 100000 you know, because I can afford this $75 or whatever it is per month. And that is not enough life insurance policy. You need more than $50,000. Like if you pass away, you have people that's uh, that needs your income to survive. 50000 or or 100000 will probably last, depending on what your expenses are, a year or two. Yeah. Maybe. You know, whereas if you get five hundred thousand a million, that can last like twenty years, depending on you know how what it's invested afterwards. Yeah, so I just think it's it's way better in, in in most cases to go ahead go with term life. Yeah, got it. Um, this next one is uh, just don't stay at a job you hate. Yeah, and I think that <laughs> millennials, Gen Z. We, we get that. People are leaving their jobs in record numbers, which is actually ties to my stock pick today. Um, so, yeah, man, life is too short. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's more jobs out there. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different different things. You don't have to stay at a job you hate. But I think the flip side of this is I always think of um, everybody loves Chris. Uh, um you know, Regina, um, not Regina, but, um, Tashina Arnold, Tashina Arnold, (laughs) (laughs) she was always quitting her job. I don't need this. My man has two jobs or whatever. Um, where it's like, just have a backup plan. You know, if, if you're not like, it's like anything else on this list, right? If you're not in a position that is bringing you happiness, which, which I think we both decided was like our ultimate, like pursuit when it comes to wealth. Um, then just come come up with a plan. Think of something new. Find a way to get out of it, but just have a plan in place before you leave. But don't, you know, don't stick with anything that's really bringing you, that's like, you know, got you stressed out um, and just unhappy. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, this other one uh, that's kind of speaking to me is don't risk your retirement to pay for your kids' college. I wholeheartedly agree with this. Uh, yeah. The reason this kind of speaks to me just for a few things, like, 
Um, and this is, I mean, I, I didn't know any better, but my mom, you know, she, I remember her taking out a loan in order to pay for my college at the time, mm -hmm. like from her retirement account. And I know another thing is she probably wasn't investing in her retirement to help me, you know, pay for, for college, uh, to try to counteract me taking as much loans. And I just think that's a bad plan because at the end of the day, your kids, worst case scenario, let's just say they have to take out student loans. Your kids have their whole life to pay back those student loans. Mm -hmm. You have less time yes, we see. for your money to accumulate. But that I think that's true because at the end of the day, like, it's like you, when I look at like the amount of money, let's just say my mom took out $20,000, you know, to uh to help me pay for college out of her retirement that money when you think about like the compound interest of that twenty thousand dollars what that could have turned into um and now she is worse off in retirement than i would be for the rest of my life yeah i always said twenty thousand dollars yep i always say put your put your own oxygen mask on first um so there's a lot of people that you know, everybody wants their kids to be the best, have the best, you know, and set them up for the future. Um, and sometimes I'll get questions from people around, like, overwhelmingly, one of the questions I get the most is around, like, you know, do an episode about kids and setting kids up for, you know, their financial future, saving for college, all that kind of stuff. Um, and while I think that's important, like, you've got to have yourself set up first. Like, you know, if you're going to be stressed, worried about retirement, I mean... I didn't have money set aside for college. I made it work, you know? Um, our kids can do the same. It builds resiliency. Um, so, you know, set yourself up first and then take care of your kids' college later. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like but, this next one. Don't, don't let fear stop you from getting rich. Hmm. This is a good one. And again, I'm going to talk about my family. Like, I, I hear a lot of, you know, when I started to be on my wealth journey is what I call it. You know, I started back in the early 2000s. I heard a lot of fear of from my family. Well, what if this happens? Mm -hmm. What if that happens? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, I'll survive. I'll figure it out. Like, I've never let fear really stop me, or at least I try not to. Like, I try to hone in on if I'm not doing something, is it because of fear? You know, or, or what is it? If I, if I see the numbers and the numbers look right, like, why am I not doing it? If it's fear, then I'm going to try to push through that. Yeah. But fear leaves you complacent. It leaves you in the same situation, even sometimes a worse situation. Most times I would think a worse situation. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that I I'm going to consciously try to instill in my kids is like, don't be fearful of anything. If you just gather the facts, you know, do your research and then move forward from there. Yeah. I think this is a really important one. And I know like for, for me, I, the way I combat my fear and I gas myself up is through knowledge, right? Because like I'll see something and I'm like, it sounds good. It's too good to be true. And that's when I pull out the YouTube and I just start li watching, listening to stuff. And, you know, numbers don't lie. You know, I look at the black and white and then, then you make the move. So to your point, it's like, yeah, this is so important because you got to overcome the, the fear to get to the first step, especially when you're looking to like create financial freedom for yourself. Um, it's hard because we're taught that, you know, we're taught to save, right? Work hard, 
and save have a good work that they can save i think are the things i've that i've like have echoed in my head my whole life um and now there's voices like ours saying you have you have them your emergency funds so that whatever risk you take you know that's your safeguard but it's not about saving it's about you know making your money work for you which is very different from what i heard growing up yeah and it's it's been i mean i've i've worked over the years of because i'm not naturally um uh I think I'm, I ain't gonna say I'm naturally fearful, but it, it was instilled in me. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to shed that over years because it definitely comes back. And, you know, I, it's definitely paid off to be more aggressive, I would say, than fearful in my yeah. life. <laughs> you know, so I see that and I try to remind myself of that every time, you know, I'm feeling fearful about something. And also, it builds the more risk that you take. And you see, when you start seeing some of those risks pay off, it really does change your mindset. And I think like when we think back to when we started this podcast and we would go back and forth about me checking my stocks and I would make rash decisions and, and you know, even a year later, my mindset is so different, right? Because yeah. you continue to educate yourself. You see some of the risks pay off. Um, and, 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 you know, it's made me more risk adverse in a lot of other areas of my life. Yeah. And I mean, I have stories of people who, you know, have just been who I know, like they still talking about the same thing that, you know, they should have did or want to do. It's like 10 years later. It was like you were talking about that 10 years ago. And it's just like, man, it's it's kind of sad in a sense. It's like, yeah, I feel more free than them Yep, because like I'm not fear bound me. Yep. Hey, I got to throw one in here because, um, we haven't really disagreed with anything on this list. Um, don't become a landlord. Oh, I saw that one. I was going to say past that one. <laughs> I mean, no comment. I mean, while I don't think that being a landlord is for everyone, um, I do think that house hacking is just the best thing that you could do to increase your wealth very quickly. So yep. it's not as scary uh, as you think. Um, and you, like I said, you can hire professionals to do everything for you. It's not it's, it's not that scary just know that yeah and every this once again this is something that comes with nuance right every property comes with its own you know you do your research and know the cost that will be involved um just don't sell stocks period that sounds stupid um i would say don't be a stock trader be an investor be in it for the long term but just don't sell stocks it just doesn't whatever yeah and then this last one I like is don't let vacation time go unused. Like we yeah. gotta, you know, I feel like when I'm like tired and worn down, which is kind of where I'm getting right now, um, I don't make, I'm, I don't, I, I don't bring my best self to any situation, home, work, you know, anything. Uh, and, you know, the older I get, I think when I was young, I hustled really hard and I was, I was so ambitious and I still am and I still do, but I think there's a time and place and sometimes it's okay to just detach, turn off your email, maybe leave your work phone. And like, we all need a, a reset every once in a while. Yeah, man. I, I I don't like phrases like I'll sleep when I'm dead and, you know, hustling like 24 seven, because to me that like, it adds this connotation, like anyone who takes vacation or takes time off for themselves, 
is not working as hard. And to me, I always like working smarter. And I've realized at a very young age that I need to take time for myself. Like, that's the only way that I'm going to continue to be productive. And um, I think a lot of people don't take vacation time off because they feel like they can't. They feel like they can't afford it. I say you can't not afford, you know, to, to take care of yourself because year in and year out, when you're not taking time for yourself, your body and your mental is is just really deteriorating. You may not see it because it's, it's happening slowly, mm-hmm. but, you know, just know it is. And our body and our mind is really all that we have at the end of the day. You know, after all this is gone, like really our body and our mind is, is all that we have. So you need to that, that needs to be the first thing that you take care of before you uh, take care of anything else. You got to take care of yourself. Let me play you some inspiration from Steve Harvey. Oh, God. What you got to do to get the life that God wants you to have, you got to put more air in your bubble. You got to blow your bubble up. Expand yourself. Take yourself out your comfort zone. Do not live in your bubble. Put some more air in your bubble. If you stay in your comfort zone, that's where you will fail. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, so once again, half half I agree, half I disagree. Get out your comfort zone. Definitely. But saying rich people don't sleep eight hours a day, that was a really bad way to start it. Get your eight hours of sleep. Take care of yourself. Or whatever. Some people don't need eight hours of sleep. But at the end of the day, get sleep. Get more than two hours of sleep. <laughs> We're all different, man. It's like saying uh, millionaires don't watch TV. I'm going to watch exactly. TV and I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What, what are you loving this week? <laughs> man, I'm loving um, yoga. Just because I did it this morning. But real talk, like... Can we just do mindfulness? Yeah, just really... I'm all about this. Look, it's the wintertime. I try to go extra hard and being intentional about working out, uh, doing a lot of stuff before the year end to set me up for for next year. So I, so I like that mindfulness. Because when you're doing it, when it's extra hard to do it, it becomes a habit. And then when it's, you know, the weather is better and we're in a new year you would just kind of fall right into that habit where it'll be less pressure than if you start January 1st for, you know, some of these goals. So I say, you know, start that mindfulness stuff now. Um, I used to have this app on my phone that my last job actually paid for. And it was, um, I don't have the phone anymore. I I took it back when I left. Um, (laughs) um, I can't think of, but it was a meditation app. And actually a lot of jobs are offering that now. it wasn't the calm app it was but it was similar to that and you know some and even like sometimes just listening to some of the meditation on the app um i wouldn't i wouldn't always do the activities sometimes i would just play them and it would just like it was just a distraction in the middle of the day you know and some of them were five minutes some of them were two minutes um but i you know i'm into that kind of stuff i think it just puts you it gives you a mental reset you know yeah yeah, definitely. Um, my stock pick. So, by the way, I just want to tell y'all that this is... I actually just went alphabetically through my entire brokerage account for y'all. So, um, the only ones I left out were ones that I didn't think it was a good time to buy. I bought them at a very different time, right? But the ones I recommend are ones that I still think is a good time to buy. Um, so, now we're at Z. <laughs> Zip recruiters. 
uh, and I've recommended this one before. Um, it's done well since I first recommended it. It's currently a little under $30 a share. But, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, people have been leaving jobs in record numbers for, and a lot of it really has been cited to just burnout, right? A lot of companies are pushing people harder. Um, and I think the, the p- pandemic has been a reflection point for a lot of folks where they've said, um, and I know I can speak to this personally because I'm one of those folks that left their job um, post-pandemic. And uh, But with that being said, the job market's been crazy. Um, employers are hiring in record numbers, and I think that the stock will continue to benefit for it. So, you know, ZipRecruiters is a job board that connects job seekers with employers. Um, I, re- I recently, um, I didn't listen to their earnings call, but I did read the transcript. Um, they've seen over a hundred percent year year over year increase. Um, there are more than there is about fifty percent more job openings now than before the pandemic. Um, so, you know, I think this one will continue to benefit from this crazy job market that we're in. Got it. Great. Cool. Awesome. Maybe I'll um I'll enlighten y'all on my um my Roth next since y'all know my entire portfolio. Cool. So I guess that's it, man. Yeah. So you gonna um I'll let you go so you can go zen out and do a little do some yoga. Do a little downward dog. I'm actually uh, about to do. I actually am about to do some more yoga because it was just so good that all today I'm just eating fruit and doing yoga. (laughs) You're a hippie. All right. (laughs) I appreciate appreciate y'all for uh, listening to us for another week. Um, You know, take care of yourselves. Take care of your family. Uh, We'll do this again next Tuesday. All right, we're out. Peace.